Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. A dream no longer. Velveteen Dream has been released by the WWE. That headline can go two ways as well as the dream of returning to WWE live events is now over as the dream is now finally a reality as WWE plans to resume touring in July. I'm Jaden Becker and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. The Velveteen Dream is released by the WWE. According to PW Insider, the Velveteen Dream, real name Patrick Clark Jr., has been released by WWE following the recent NXT departures. It was previously reported that Dream had been backstage at Raw recently, but there was no plans to feature him on screen. Dream hasn't competed on WWE television this year, with his last match taking place on the Very Gargano Christmas NXT special against Adam Cole, a release that was overdue by the WWE. And uh, once we get past uh, the ad break, I will go into in-depth with this release and uh, what it means for the WWE as a whole. WWE set to return to touring. It was announced this morning that a 25-city tour will begin on Friday, July 16th with a live SmackDown at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view will then take place that Sunday, July 18th at the Dickens Arena in Fort Worth, Texas. And a live Raw will be held July 19th from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Tickets for all these shows will go on sale Wednesday, May 26th at 11 a.m. Eastern. WWE will be announcing the rest of the tour stops and on-sale dates in the coming weeks. It was noted that the 25-city schedule will run through Labor Day, which is Monday, September 6th, so that's a pretty long way. They got their whole summer pretty much covered. These dates will be WWE's first regular ticket events since March 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. WrestleMania 37 was held this past April with fans in the crowd. Justin Brasso of Sports Illustrated said that this year's SummerSlam has been confirmed for Las Vegas, Nevada. This report was also confirmed by the reputable WrestleVotes on Twitter. So SummerSlam going to be in Vegas. We see the start of the touring happening in Texas. Probably going to see some stuff leaving Florida because they've been there for so long already. So uh, finding their way, uh, let's say the bottom half of America, if you will, because a lot of those areas are more open as it currently stands. Not saying that New York City isn't, not saying that Boston isn't, not saying that Philadelphia isn't, but not to the extent of where Texas at this point, I think it's 100% capacity they can do. So no wonder why they're returning to Texas first, because they're just wide open. They get to do, you know, 100% capacity. So uh, no better place to start, to be honest with you, if you're the WWE. We're going to get right into our show review for last night's Impact Wrestling, but first let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 4.0. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's get into last night's Impact Wrestling for, uh, this was uh, May 20th, which was last night. Today is May 21st. This is also the 69th episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. Very nice. Very nice. I thought I should just uh, say that. 
Rahit Raju versus Jake Something opening the show. Action falls outside early on with Raju in control as well. Something using his strength while Raju using his speed. I always feel odd saying something because it sounds like I don't know his name. His name is Jake Something. His name is Jake Something. That is his gimmick that he used in the indies. Uh, came into impact as a, a cousin Jake and uh, now a cousin Diener. I'm one of the two. And now is Jake Something. Uh, Shira on the outside in support of Rahit Raju. He gets involved and switched momentum in the back of Raju. Great back and forth in this match. Suplex by something is reversed by Shira by grabbing the ankle of something, allowing to Raju to fall on top of something for the pin and win. Something attacks Shira after the match with a steel chair, and something drives Shira through a table. Uh, something somehow missed the table set up in the corner and ends up using his own body in a way to uh, make the table break. Uh, very odd, a little uh, odd as well, especially Matt Stryker kind of acknowledging it. Like, you can say he missed, but at the end of the day, he's standing tall or something along those lines. So... A little weird spot to end that segment, but I thought it was a fun match. Not going to deny that. Jake something has been on a tear lately, and uh, hopefully he finds himself into some sort of main event picture, even though the main event picture of Impact is kind of bleak. Uh, I wouldn't say bleak, but it's kind of... Uh, no, the main event picture is now on Wednesday nights. The main event picture is no longer on Thursday nights, if I do say so myself. Kira Hogan versus Tennille Dashwood. Dashwood off to a surprising hot start over one half of the knockout tag team champions. Hogan picks up the pace and is dominant with holds both in the ropes and on the mat as well, uh, tying Tennille Dashwood as much up as possible. Dashwood wins with a roll-up and an audible O oh, from me. I write, I write in my notes here in quotes. Oh, that, that was surprising. I did not expect to see Dashwood get a win here over the uh, Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Diana Perrazzo, Kimberly, and Susan enter and attack Neil Dashwood with fire and flavor. Uh, Taylor Wilde tries to save. Havoc enters, causing havoc on her own right. Pun intended, no pun intended. I don't really care anymore uh, <laughs> at this point. Rosemary enters and saves the whole group, uh, and, and all the heels end up running away as well. Well, the whole women's division was in this segment pretty much besides uh, the two that are going to have a match later in the night. And uh, it, it just bothers me so much because uh, this is not, as I mentioned uh, in, I believe, two episodes ago, uh, about how great divisions are based off of individuation. And if everyone's doing their own thing, the whole division feels boosted up on its own. Uh, this is not everyone doing their own thing. This is not even everyone doing the same thing. This is the whole division being lumped up into the same segment, deeming its worth as long as the segment lasts which is an absolute shame. So this segment, I believe, lasted, what, 10 minutes, 12 minutes? That's what Impact is telling me. The women's division, given that you gave me literally the whole division in 12 minutes, given that you did that, Impact, that's how much you te you're telling me it's worth to care about. 12 minutes. That's all I should care about it for. Not for anything extended. So if, if that small percentage of your show where you shoved the whole division into uh, is how much is worth... That's an absolute shame. That's an absolute shame. And they've been doing it for months. <laughs> they've been doing it for how long? Uh, since since I started talking about Impact on the podcast, every week it's sort of the same type of idea where Perrazzo, Susan, and Kimberly all come out and they either ha all have a match, on a, a three-way match, or they're all there ringside. And it's pretty much the whole Nagats division there at the same time. It's not working for me, Impact. It really isn't. It really, really isn't. 
Moving on, VSK versus Petey Williams, Long Island boy VSK, and my, my good friend uh, from Ithaca College and from high school, uh, he remembers as a kid watching VSK at a birthday party. I can't tell you the exact name of the promotion that held the birthday party. I want to say uh, New York City Pro Wrestling, uh, something along those lines. I, I forget the exact name, but an independent uh, promotion in, in New York City and Long Island that, uh, honestly, they, they host birthday parties, and that's what the whole uh, birthday party is based around, the show event that, that you'd be there for. So uh, he was invited to one of those as a kid, and he remembers VSK, and look where VSK is now. Uh, he did some stuff for AEW Dark. I, I believe he might have been on Dynamite once, and now uh, here he is. He's on uh, Impact. So uh, good for VSK. Williams using his experience, a huge hair corona to the outside, impressive wrestling, but Williams looks a lot more fluid than VSK does in this match. Canadian Destroyer gives Williams the win. Nice to see VSK on impact, but uh, he didn't look fluid in this one. I, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but every move seemed a little bit clunky compared to Williams. I know I'm comparing VSK to Petey Williams, which is one of the greatest impact wrestlers of all time, but... Uh, to be put together in that match, you, you sort of have to step up to the plate there, and I don't think he did exactly. Definitely got some fantastic TV time and definitely got some more exposure as well, but I don't think he stepped up to uh, Petey Williams here in this one. I'm just giving my honest opinion. I'm not going to, you know, even though he's my Long Island guy, even though he's a New York City guy, I'm not going to hype him up over over the hill or anything like that. I got to be honest, you know, I'm here for you, the listener. I'm not here for VSK. I'm here for you. So I'm giving you my honest opinion, but uh, yeah, no, no, uh, no, no, this there VSK congratulations you know you're doing bigger and better things which is awesome Big Cass attacks Rich Swan. I know his name is not Big Cass it's like William Morsley or something like that but let's just stick with Big Cass for right now because it's a lot easier to write Big Cass in my notes than it is Morsley or whatever they call him now uh, a huge kick by Cass and Cass tosses Swan outside of the building uh, it's going to be a good one on one feud to, for Rich Swan to respond after losing the Impact World Championship to uh, Omega a month back, so a good way for him to bounce back by beating up on Big Cass, hopefully in the upcoming pay-per-view, I believe it's called Against All Odds, and uh, speaking of Against All Odds, uh, here comes Moose, uh, Moose cutting a promo against Kenny Omega in the ring, I absolutely love Moose, and I've been saying that since the beginning of this podcast uh, back in February as well, I think Moose is absolutely fantastic because he steps up to the plate at the right moments. Moose says that he's a different evil than Omega has ever faced before in the past. No god can knock Zeus off of Mount Olympus. Moose being the Zeus here and Mount Olympus being the Impact Wrestling ring. Omega enters with Don Callis, which is a little surprising to see that Omega continue to make his way to over physically to Impact, but I guess he sort of has to do that given that he's their world champion. So I, I didn't read the full report, I'll be honest with, with you there, but I saw a headline saying that Omega says being a, a three... Uh, a, pro, a world champion through three promotions it's a blessing and a curse this is a dream that I think you, you, yes it is a curse in a sense where you have to fulfill all these obligations but the blessing I think 10 times over supersedes the curse of having to do the extra traveling if that is the case so uh, Omega, I give you the side eye there. I give you the side eye there because, yes, you do have the extra traveling and you don't get to see family and all this stuff like that, but this is the world of pro wrestling. And for you to, to get this opportunity that has been unprecedented uh, where you get to be a world champion, different promotions, this forbidden door has been open, honestly, specifically for you to be able to succeed in this light. Uh, I wouldn't take that lightly if I was Omega. 
Either way, Omega uh, enters with Callus, and they both give Moose a lot of credit for his size, stature, and his physical ability at his size. Uh, but they also say that Moose has wasted talent and couldn't even get a win in Ring of Honor for their world championship. Omega says it's only going to be uh, one one-wing angel away to uh, f Omega to pick up the victory. And then I write in my notes here, how is Omega going to be able to pick up Moose and connect with the one-wing angel? That That's a good question. That's a really good question because they're building up this move like no other. Yeah, for a wrestling move, or at least for a finishing move to be great, you have to be able to perform it on anybody, right? And, you know, a, a super kick, you could kind of perform on anybody if your leg could reach their chin or something like that. You, you got to be able to get up Moose on your shoulders. And not only that, you have to bend him over and then drop him on his head, or obviously in, in a safe light. It, uh, Omega got his work cut out for him there. I got to, if I do say so myself, Omega got his work cut out for him there uh, if he's going to connect with that one wing angel. Gallows enters in defense of Omega. Sammy Callahan enters himself to enter to align with Moose, uh, but backstage when Callahan and Moose uh, find each other again, Moose. Uh, goes to him and says, I'm not going to say thank you to you. That is just not what I do. Uh, but I, I've obviously, Moose is being the representative force for Impact Wrestling, which I find a little odd, given that, wouldn't that make more sense for Rich Swan to be the representative force and have Moose be the one to lose the Impact uh, World titles uh, to Omega at the previous pay-per-view? I feel like if they switched the two, if they did, uh, if they did, Moose first, dropping the belts to Omega, and then Rich Swan in the efforts to try and regain the belts for Impact, making Rich Swan look like the savior instead of having Moose build up to be the savior, because Moose is obviously a heel and was a heel, and obviously now walking this line as this kind of anti-hero trying to support Impact Wrestling. This is his home, and he feels like he has an invader here in Kenny Omega. It's tough. It's tough to try and accept that fact that Moose is now the savior. I feel like it would have been a lot easier to do if it was Rich Swan. But at the same time, I'm not complaining that Moose is getting this shot against Omega because he deserves it. He deserves it more than anyone else on Impact. I always go back to Hard to Kill. I always go back to Hard to Kill only because I was so impressed by Moose because that night at the time was the biggest pay-per-view in Impact in a very long time. That was one of the biggest Impact pay-per-views in recent memory because of the AEW crossover with Omega coming over to perform on Impact television. One of the Motor City Machine Guns had to be eliminated from that match. He couldn't compete. Chris Saban was in, but his partner was not. So Moose was the fill-in for that match. Obviously not supposed to be in this match, had no storyline correlation to it at all. He was just thrown in at the last second. Honestly, it was still supposed to be about Kenny Omega. It was his night. They could have put three Joe Schmoes out there. It was still supposed to be Kenny Omega's night. But what did Moose do? What did Moose do in that last moment where he found out he's going to be in that match? He said, all right, I'm going to make this match the best it could possibly be. And not only did he impress... I think he stole the show from Omega that night. I think he outperformed Kenny Omega that night, which is something that I rarely, rarely, rarely say often about someone outperforming Kenny Omega. Moose did that night. Moose did that night in January at Hard to Kill.
he deserves this more than anyone else on this Impact roster because of that. Directly because of that. He's not going to win. He's not going to win against Omega. I will say that. And I think it's fair for all of us to say that because Omega's doing something bigger than Impact, bigger than wrestling at the moment. He's doing something where he's trying to collect all these belts here. Whether it's going to come from NWA Next, whether it's going to come from IWGP in the future, in New Japan, and their world title that is now vacated with Osprey Hurt. God, not thinking about that now, there's no perfect time, given that it's a vacated title, that Omega can come and grab it. Wow, thinking about that now. Uh, so many things could work out for Omega, but Moose finally getting his one-on-one match against Omega. Huge. Huge. And arguably bigger than any world title that Omega could have held in the past. Whether with Ring of Honor, whether with TNA, whether with Impact, all that jazz. Uh, bigger. Having a one-on-one match with Omega. Because you could talk about title reigns all you want. But if you remember that match... If you remember that match that someone has with a specific person, that defines a career. That's what gets you over to the next level. And Moose is finally getting that well-deserved. Moving on, Rachel Ellering versus Jordan Grace. Uh, This type of match happened with uh, Grace and Jazz at Genesis. Uh, Let's see uh, if it has the same type of result. And that's what I wrote in my notes uh, at the start of the match. Let's see if the the two if the tag team duo now going against each other one on one loser buys the beers type of match. Let's see if this had the same effect. Train grappling early on as they test each other's strength. A lot of uh, ringing of the arm in this one as well. I believe they did that spot like five times in a row, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Grace using. Her strength, but able to be overpowered by Ellering, a rarity in this case. The two trade pin attempts back and forth, back and forth, back and forth once again, until Ellering finally gets the 1-2-3. Very impressive and a very nice match between the two. The two shake hands, but Grace is definitely upset. Not the same outcome that we saw with Jazz and Grace at the end of their match at Genesis. Uh, Not the same outcome where the loser buys the beers, but Grace uh, visibly upset after this one. Jordan Grace is absolutely fantastic. Rachel Ellering is absolutely fantastic with those two going one-on-one there. Uh, I Hopefully, I, I want to see more of those two going one-on-one. Maybe not even in a rivalry sense, but say, all right, let, let's see if we can do best two out of three. And uh, that culminates possibly at uh, against all odds. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton take on Finjuice for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Fulton very strong early on, but Finjuice able to use their double team maneuvers to gain control. Great tag team wrestling from Finjuice, uh, able to overthrow Madman Fulton. Uh, that control doesn't last long, however. Uh, Finn enters on a hot tag and dominates. Kill switch by Juice to pick up the win. I call it a kill switch. I don't know exactly what Finjuice calls it, but it's Christian's uh, kill switch. Uh, they pick up the win, pinning Fulton, and it was a fun match. And it, 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 I wouldn't say it was quick. It was, uh, it wasn't the main event, given what happened next. But uh, it was a fun match, and uh, it was the match book for the main event. And uh, I was, I was happy with that. The show ended there. I would've been like, oh, decent show. You know, <laughs> I would've been happy with, with whatever I saw. But then, Violent by Design enters, and uh, Young's upper body. This is before. Everything goes down. Young's upper body just looks jacked. I know he has the, the ACL injury. He has a torn ACL in his right leg. He's wearing the brace. But he must be doing some <laughs> crazy upper body stuff with his leg injury now putting him on the sideline. Because he just looks ripped. <laughs> he just looks fantastic. Uh, good for you, 
uh, Eric Young. Rhino uses his Collier Shot trophy on Finjuice. And uh, now there's a match set up for literally coming up like as if it's a Money in the Bank cash-in for the Impact Tag Team Championship. So it's Finjuice versus Violent by Design. Uh, the the partners there are Rhino and uh, Joe Doring. Joe Doring with a double cross body, a, a gore, a huge gore from Rhino, and a heavy clothesline from Doring gives Violent by Design the win. And now they are the new Impact Tag Team Champions. Awesome way to end the show. Awesome way to end the show. Finjuice, uh, there's been some reports going around that uh, they might be leaving Impact or something like that. Best off just getting the belts off them. And uh, obviously they're doing stuff with New Japan. They, they, they are New Japan. And, you know, it, it's yes, it's fun to have the belts on them. And I think they did a fine job waving the Impact flag in New Japan from what I can tell. And now it's like, all right, let's just bring our belts back home. Call it a day. And now, Violent by Design gets a title reign, which is pretty cool, given that they're a pretty fun faction, even though I feel like it might be too uh, um, beef-heavy, given that they both have Rhino and Joe Doring, and both of them are now the tag team champions. So I guess that, even though, and now that I say that, they are both uh, you know beef-heavy in that sense, where they, they, they do have uh, Diener, but uh, now that they're tag team champions, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Uh, pairing them together and uh, moving forward. So, fun impact! Fun impact! I haven't been this happy to watch an impact show on a Thursday night on Twitch, mind you, given I don't have access TV, even though I do have cable. Fun impact, and I genuinely enjoyed it. B minus! That might be the highest highest grade I ever gave an impact wrestling show. Uh, (laughs) Laughing about it now, because I've given some impact some bad grades. Uh, I, there's been some time I've given Impact a D or a D plus or whatever, what have you. But uh, B minus here for Impact. A huge title change at the end. Uh, great to see Omega appear. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen to Impact when Omega is long gone and he's on doing his own thing back with AEW. Uh, if Impact will be able to uh, stay afloat, given that uh, Kenny Omega being its, it's well-needed main event picture at the moment. But... Also, the main event picture is consistent on Wednesday nights and not on Thursday nights. So, uh, I'm curious about the future of Impact Wrestling. But right now, as it stands, solid. <laughs> Pretty solid. This this Impact stood up to the episode of Raw that we saw this Monday. So, very happy. Good for Impact Wrestling. Let's hope they can continue this in the future. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, going to be talking a little bit more about Velveteen Dream's release from the WWE, how it was long overdue, and what it means for the WWE, and what it means for us fans as well. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on May 21st, 2000, The Undertaker made his return, debuting his American Badass gimmick. Now, it might not be the best time to mention that The Undertaker had a part in the odd finish screwing over The Rock, the babyface in this scenario, as The Undertaker was returning as the babyface as well. The Rock ended up being disqualified after the 60-minute uh, time limit. Once The Undertaker entered the ring and they took out, and he took out each member of the McMahon faction, including Triple H, uh, disqualifying The Rock, even though he was trying to help The Rock throughout the match uh, once he made his return. Very odd, very weird, but hey, uh, this is on this day in pro wrestling, so I figure, why not tell the full story? 
on May 21st, 2001, Triple H would infamously tear his quad on an episode of Raw. Triple H went to break up a Walls of Jericho hold applied on his partner, Stone Cold Steve Austin. This was a tag team match between uh, Triple H and Stone Cold versus Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. And uh, as he planted his left leg, he tore his quad. As the match went on, Triple H would end up taking a Walls of Jericho on the announce table. A tough sight knowing the injury now. Uh, which really makes you think how, how much he went through in that match. On May 21st, 2011, Ring of Honor would be sold to the Sinclair Broadcasting Group. This purchase finally gave Ring of Honor broadcasting rights for their weekly shows to air on affiliate stations. Sinclair still owns Ring of Honor to this day. And I, I like talking about uh, this broadcast uh, stuff. You know, I'm into that. And, you know, that, especially now with all the money being tossed around with the WWE, the billion dollar deals to get the, the shows on Fox and USA and things like that. Uh, looking back, Ring of Honor, this was such a huge thing for them, given that now they finally get to be on weekly television. All right. Time to talk about Velveteen Dream. And his release and how it was long overdue and everything like that. And I wanted to take some time here to talk about uh, this a little extra. Uh, more than just the news that we do at the top of the show. Uh, given that this is bigger than just wrestling at the moment. Uh, Velveteen Dream, if you want to go into a full backstory here. Whose real name is Patrick Clark Jr. Was discovered by the WWE at the age of 19. I'm 19 years old right now. So so at a very young age to say the least. Uh, for in a pro wrestling perspective, 19 years old to be... Uh, brought up by the WWE uh, as he was a part of the Tough Enough reality show. And uh, he didn't win the show, but he did sign a developmental contract after uh, the show ended and became one of the company's biggest rising stars uh, after uh, debuting his Prince-inspired gimmick, which I'll talk about a little bit later as well. Underage girls first accused Clark of sending them nude photographs on Instagram and him asking for pictures in return. Uh, Clark would deny those allegations up front, uh, more allegations came out later as independent wrestler Josh Fuller later said Clark tried to get him to send nude photographs. In return, Clark would make an effort for Fuller to get a WWE contract. The teenagers posted the screenshots of their interactions with Clark. Uh, these conversations were never verified as Clark or neither were they turned into law enforcement. Uh, it was the consensus of the wrestling community, however, that these were pictures of Clark. These were pictures of Velveteen Dream. Even though never confirmed, I'm not saying that, but this was the consensus of the wrestling community. Uh, looking at Velveteen Dream's career with the WWE and NXT, uh, he won the North American Championship in January of 2019 and held the title for a record 231 days before dropping it to uh, Roderick Strong. Uh, he was on a rocket to the NXT Championship before the allegations, and uh, let's not forget that. Uh, not the fault of the WWE at the time, given his gimmick was hot as fire, and uh, it, how were they supposed to know about the allegations at the time? A 25-year-old at the time of the allegations, I should say, as well. Uh, and he had all the in-ring talent in the world with a fantastic gimmick that we haven't seen in a long time. Everything clicked for Dream in front of the camera. I, personally, I love the clocky, flamboyant persona along with the outfits. I was a sucker for that. Because anytime someone goes all out into a gimmick like that, I absolutely love it with the glasses and he had the extra lens for, for the third eye, if you will. I felt like the gimmick just hit in every way, shape, or form. He was fully enthralled in it. The flamboyant aspect of it as well, something you haven't really seen in a while uh, from the WWE. So I genuinely enjoyed it. Obviously, I can't look at Clark in the same light anymore. And rightfully so. I'd be very surprised if you see him on TV anytime soon. 
Uh, I feel like he'll he'll do some work in the indies and some indie events, but uh, I don't think he'll be uh, under contract for many of the big major companies that uh, we know and we watch every week. In regards to his release, and this conversation here is more about the WWE than Dream itself. Although the WWE took a lot longer than they should have to release him, at the end of the day, he is finally gone. Should have this all been done at the start of the allegations? Many would argue yes, and I would be on the same side of that as well, given the PR nightmare that Dream was. It's also fair to acknowledge that even to this day, the still, technically the allegations, even though all the ev evidence are, uh, are pointing in the direction of it being true, technically still are allegations. So, let that be known as well, you know? Uh, if it's a technically in a technicality sense, I'm not saying I'm not defending him in any way, shape or form, but and, and I agree. All the evidence points in the way that this is it was Velveteen Dream, but he was never brought to the court of law, thus putting it in this weird uh, gray zone, if you will, in, in the eyes of the WWE. Adam Ragusia, a name that you might have heard before, a food journalist on YouTube, once made a statement while talking about Mario Batali that still sticks with me to this day. When looking at the world of celebrities in context, Mario Batali is a former Stand and Stir host for the Food Network who admitted sexual harassment and is accused of sexual assault. The quote from Regrusia reads, uh, Almost no one is blameless in their personal conduct. Certainly not me and probably not you. Most of us are quite lucky that we have not yet come to be defined by the worst thing we did instead of the best. End quote. Ragusia also looks back at the work of Mario Batali and acknowledges all the people involved in his past work. Think about the producers, think about the lighting crew, think about the audio team, the directors, all the assistant producers, everyone that worked to make that show what it was back in the Food Network era. I think it was called Molto Mario, uh, Mario Batali worked on. And what we need to remember is that now... All those workers who worked on that show with Mario Batali, all the hard work that they put, in, put into that show have now been shunned away into the darkness, into the world of obscurity, into a world that you, you're not supposed to watch this anymore. Given what one person did, given what Mario Batali, the frontman, what he did. I think, bringing this back to the world of professional wrestling, I think there's a direct correlation there with wrestlers who've had matches with Dream in the past where some of their best work is now washed away. Looking back to NXT TakeOver New Orleans in 2018, a five-star match, according to Meltzer. It was a six-man match. Probably the only five-star match Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, and EC3 will ever be a part of. Obviously, Lars Sullivan having issues in his own right, and that's a whole other story for another day. But Killian Dane, EC3... Ricochet was also part of that match. Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, those were the six. Adam Cole has had plenty of five-star matches. Ricochet, I believe, has one other. But Killian Dan EC3, this might be the only five-star match that they'll ever be a part of in their career. Now, are we supposed to wipe it away to the side and never look at that match again? Some of the best work of Killian Dan EC3's career? Or do we look at it in a light of trying to remember and acknowledge the work that Killian Dane and EC3 put in, even though names like Lars Sullivan and the person that we're talking about now, Velveteen Dream, are involved in that match as well. Just keep this in mind when looking back. 
Chris Benoit was washed away from history. When that's not fair to the others involved in the matches that he was a part of. Chris Benoit obviously being a part of a lot bigger matches than and a lot more important matches than uh, Velveteen Dream was a part of. And Chris Benoit, part of the, some of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, Royal Rumble winner. Yeah, we're expected to wipe that away from history. I think it might be fair to acknowledge the same for Dream. And maybe not in respect to Dream, maybe not in respect to Sullivan, maybe not in respect to Benoit, and these are names that uh, we've decided to wipe away from history, and rightfully so, rightfully so. But in respect to the other competitors and everyone else involved into making what made their matches so great. Velveteen Dream, part of a five-star match. Chris Benoit, five-star matches in his own right. Let's just keep that in mind. Because some of these professional wrestlers' greatest work came at the same time when they were facing Velveteen Dream, when they were facing off against Benoit. And it's not fair to those wrestlers who are part of those matches, like Killian Dane, like EC3, for their highlight, best-ranked matches of their career to be pushed to the wayside. However, I can't stop you from feeling how you feel in this situation, given you're 100% justified in this case. You know, I can't, I can't tell you to go support anything that you don't want to support. That would be morally wrong for me to say that. But just keep that in mind moving forward, and keep that in mind when looking back at some of these matches in the past. All right, looking on to our next episode for the Daily DDT Podcast. Uh, Tonight is Friday Night SmackDown. Only one match announced for the card so far as I record this. It is a fatal four-way match for the Intercontinental Championship. Apollo Crews defending his title against Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Big E. Should be a fun one. Also, Roman Reigns, of course, uh, ready to put Jimmy Uso in his place. That's all for me. Remember to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at Manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.